So let's get into the Word of God as well. Amen. So um, going to start a new series this morning. We've done a lot of series this, this year. It's been all series this year, actually. Right back since September, it's been pretty much all series. But it's, it's been good. It's been great. And, um, and this specific series is just all about the ministry of Jesus. And sometimes we just have to, and we've talked about loads of great stuff, and of course Jesus is central in it all, of course it is. But to talk specifically just about the ministry of Jesus. I say just about, like it's a small thing. <laughs> it's a huge thing. We're going to talk about the ministry of Jesus. I'm reading, in my own personal time, I'm reading through the Gospels uh, at, at the moment, and just God's been speaking to me about a lot of stuff. And, you know, Jesus was just extraordinary, wasn't he? He still is extraordinary. I mean, when his, his time on earth and his ministry was just extraordinary. What Jesus did and, and what he said and, and the way he conducted himself and, and his ministry, the way he dealt with the disciples, where he, he, he dealt with religious leaders and, and the issue of religion. Um, and the rules and regulations that there were in, in place at the time, the things that were holding people back rather than setting them free, the way Jesus dealt with the you know, demonic issues and, and, and set people free and healed people. Jesus' ministry was just extraordinary, wasn't it? You know, there's no one else has ever been like that before or since. Amen? And, you know, and even, even a lot of people who aren't Christians would accept that, that, that reality. You know, even in... Even in Islam, and of course there's a lot of things wrong in Islam, okay? Of course we know that. But even in Islam, Jesus is considered one of the great prophets. And obviously Muhammad is classed as the big prophet. And they just need a revelation of, true revelation of who Jesus is. But even they believe that Jesus was sinless. They don't even believe that about Muhammad. They believe that Jesus was sinless. They believe Jesus is going to be there at the final judgment. So, they, so obviously they're on a lot off track on a lot of things. But what I'm saying, Jesus is really revered. And if you notice that in, in all the world's religions... Jesus is revered. I spoke to Buddhists once. They loved Jesus. They thought Jesus was amazing. Jesus' teaching, they thought was amazing. So isn't it interesting, isn't it? Right across, right across the faiths, that Jesus is revered. They have different views about what he is and what he did and whether he died or not. And, and of course, there's a lot of theology that is incorrect. But Jesus is still revered. And it's interesting, isn't it? And that's not true about anybody else. It's only true about Jesus. And of course, they all need a revelation of who he truly truly is as, as the son of God and he died for them and rose again, amen, for their sins, amen. But Jesus is extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary and his ministry was extraordinary. And, you know, and one of the descriptions of course, Jesus or one of the names of Jesus is, is Messiah, uh, which is the Hebrew or Christ, which is the Greek, so it's the same, means the same thing. So Messiah or the Hebrew and Christ or the Greek, which, and it means anointed one, I'm sure many of you know, it means anointed one, it's not Jesus' surname. He wasn't Mr. J. Christ. <laughs> was their surname. They didn't even have surnames in the way that we do uh, these days. It worked all a bit differently the way people were named. Okay, this wasn't his surname, Jesus Christ. Okay, it means anointed one. You know that Jesus or Yeshua in Hebrew. It means uh, God salvation or salvation of God. He was the salvation of God, Jesus, Yeshua, and the anointed one. Amen. That's who Jesus was. It's a description of who, who he was. Amen. So he was anointed by God. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to start to look at, and this is what the series is called, is called Jesus the Anointed One. And to look at what that actually means and what it means, what it means for us and how that out, how that works in our lives. Amen. So what does it actually mean that Jesus was, was anointed? The Holy Spirit was all over him, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, of course, were very much working, working together. And you see that the baptism of Jesus, don't you? you know, and, and the Father speaks from heaven, this is my Son, whom I love, 
with him I'm well pleased and the Holy Spirit comes and descends on him uh, like a dove and Jesus said to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and you see that over and over again they're all kind of all working together um, in that way but Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit for ministry Amen Jesus would spend daily time with, with his Father preparing himself uh, for, that, for that day ahead would just intentionally set aside time would get up before the disciples uh, got up and would go and spend time with his Father to prepare himself for the ministry that day he didn't want to do things in his own strength. So Jesus was totally anointed for ministry. Amen. You know, and I believe that God wants us to be anointed for ministry. You know, the Bible says that the same, it's not on screen this one, but the same spirit that, that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And I'm not sure sometimes, and I, I'll include myself in this, I'm not sure we always believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. That's incredible, isn't it? We need to allow that revelation to get past our brain and down into our heart. Amen what that actually means for us. The same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus, the same anointed on Jesus, is God desires to have on us. Now, of course, we're not Jesus. Okay? We're not, we're not, we don't have to die on a cross. We don't have to do any of those things or live a sinless life or any of those things. But what my point is, but the same anointing resides on us. Amen? Very quiet this morning. <laughs> okay, so let's have a look at it. So what was the anointing on Jesus? Well, Jesus, Jesus talked about it himself. Luke 4, verse 14 to 21, well-known passage. It says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So there's, there's the anointing. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, Jesus found the place where it was written. This is Isaiah 61. This is from, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to him, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. So Jesus was there, was reading from Isaiah uh, 61. And obviously he's intentionally quoted this to talk about it. It's, it's, it's a, just like a lot of Isaiah, it's full of messianic prophecies, isn't it? You know, we know Isaiah 53, you know, he was bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes we're healed. It's all about the cross and what Jesus is going to do on the cross, isn't it? There's so many scriptures in Isaiah that are prophetic about um, who the Messiah, who the Messiah is uh, going to be. I've mentioned before about how... Um, Jews in this day, and I'm not making this about other religions today, I'm just kind of, okay, but let's just mention this, um, that, that, that Jew, or certainly Jewish leaders, um, when they read the Old Testament, they intentionally, I've read a lot of stuff about this, they, they, they leave Isaiah 53 out, because it's so obviously about Jesus, about Yeshua, that they basically just leave it out, because how, how, do, you, how do you answer that? It, it, says, it says he was going to be rejected by his own people, it says all the stuff he was going to go through, and it's obviously about, about Yeshua. We watched a video about it once, I don't know if you remember. Um, about a guy interviewing people in, in Israel about it. And they just didn't... When they were confronted with Isaiah 53, and he was saying, well, this is obviously about Yeshua, they kind of didn't really know what to that information. Of course, Jews need a revelation of who Jesus is as well. Amen? Okay, but, it could, but so much stuff in Isaiah, it's so obviously about Jesus. And there's another one in Isaiah 61 that Jesus quotes about himself. So we're going to have a look at um, what some of this stuff means. So it's always good to look back at the Greek or the Hebrew sometimes, just so we can understand stuff. So the word anointed about Jesus is the Greek word krio, C-H-R-I-O, if you're writing notes. And what it, what it means in English is 
consecrating Jesus to his messianic office, furnishing him with the necessary powers for the administration of that office, or coming to endue Christians with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you can see it's for Jesus and it's for us. Amen. So that word anointing, krios, krio, sorry, consecrating Jesus to the messianic office, furnishing him with the necessary powers for the administration of the office, or it can mean enduring Christians with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus needed to be anointed for ministry, right? And the reality is, we need to be anointed for ministry. That's the truth, right? We need to be anointed. God does not want us doing it in our own strength. Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul understood that. He said, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not I can do all things through my own strength. He understood it was, it was all about God. It was all about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit could do within him. You look at, look at you know, a couple of Sundays ago, of course, was Pentecost Sunday, and, and Paul's, uh, sorry, Peter's great discourse in Acts chapter 2, and after, the, after Pentecost had come, after the Holy Spirit had come, and, and Peter was just a different guy, wasn't he? This had been the same guy that had denied Jesus, that had, that had caused Jesus some issues, that was sometimes said the right thing, like he had the first one to have a revelation of who Jesus truly was, but also was saying to Jesus he didn't need to go to the cross, and there's all sorts of issues you know, kind of going on with Peter, who said the first thing that came into his head. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was totally, totally transformed. Amen? Because he was anointed for ministry. Amen? And, and, and you could argue that Peter and Paul were the two most influential uh, people in, in the early church. Because they're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I want to kind of, over the next, over the next few weeks, just kind of break this down, what Jesus said about himself, this quote from Isaiah 61, about what he was anointed to do. So I want to start with verse 18. Just go through this in, in order over the weeks. Spirit of the Lord is, is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So to actually try to look at what does that actually mean? What did Jesus mean by that? That he'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, first of all, we're going to look at another more Greek words, not Greek lesson this morning. Okay. But we're going to look at some Greek words just so we can understand them. So the word Greek, the Greek word for good news is euangelizo. I think I said that right, allegedly. It's spelled E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-Z-O. E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-Z-O. And evangelism is one, it's one of the root words for evangelism. Okay, so, yuang, galizo. And it literally means to bring good news or to announce good tidings. In, in the Old Testament, it's used of any kind of good news. Or particularly of the joyful tidings of God's, kind, God's kindness, in particular of the messianic blessings that were going to come. In the New Testament, it's used especially of the glad tidings of the coming kingdom of God and of the salvation that was going to come through Christ. Amen? So that's all the meanings of that word. Okay, in the Old Testament, it was about it was all about uh, prophetic uh, good news about the Messiah that was coming, the joyful tidings of God's kindness, and, and of, the, of the the good news of the coming kingdom of God, of the salvation that was going to come through Jesus. It was kind of its use in the New Testament. Now, if anything, in this world right now, we need some good news, right? Never watched the the news for more than five minutes these days, and you kind of think, oh man, <laughs> it's not much, much good news these days. These days, is it? Yeah, this world desperately needs good news. But the, you know, that's what the word gospel is, means, isn't it? It means good news. We talk about preaching the gospel. It means preaching the good news of Jesus. Because I mean, it really is great news, isn't it? It's, it's been good news for us in our own lives. And it's good news for our world. And this world that's full of bad news and, and just full of issues and confusion and, and depression and, and just all those kind of things in, in the mix. And people losing hope and, and not sure what the future is going to hold. And there's so much fear about the future, isn't it? In loads of different ways. 
out in our world, we truly have the good news. Amen? The good news, one, that God is in control, and two, that Jesus died for their sins. Amen? They can have a relationship with, with their creator, with Jesus. They can know all their sins have been forgiven. They can know the promise of eternal life. That truly is good news. Amen? This world needs good news. But what we're looking at is he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So we're going to look at the word poor. Now, I think sometimes when we can read this stuff, we can kind of think, well, well Jesus is obviously talking about the spiritually poor here. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, but I was reading a lot of what scholars say about this stuff this week. And it's actually not necessarily the reality of what Jesus is saying, or at least had two meanings. It's not, it would be too simplistic to say, well, it was just talking about those who, who know they need Jesus. It was actually also talking about those who are materially poor. It was actually a very, this, this is what scholars say, but it's very clearly what Jesus meant. And that's the use of the word. The word Greek word used is, is pokos. This is about P-T-O. I don't know how that makes po, but it does. <laughs> P-T-O-C-H-O-S. And it can be someone who's been reduced to, to begging or, or asking, asking for arms, or, you know, asking, for, asking for money. It can mean destitute of wealth or influence or position or honor. It can mean the lowly or, or afflicted. Or it can mean someone who's, who's lacking in any, anything. Destitute of wealth, of learning and intellectual culture. Or just lacking in anything in terms of their spirit. So it's actually got two, so it's actually got two very distinct meanings. It can actually mean those who are poor as a materially poor. You know, all the marginalised, or it can also mean those uh, those who are, who are destitute, spiritually destitute, and, and, and know their total need of Jesus. They, they need something else. They need something. They need something more. Okay, so it's got both of those meanings. Okay, but the materially poor and the spiritually poor. So I'm going to look at those. Look at those two things. Praise God. So remember, Jesus is anointed to preach good news to the poor. The, those who are materially poor and those who are spiritually poor. And of course, some, someone could be both of those things, obviously, as well. Okay? But it has got two, two distinct meanings that were both, both meant there. So firstly, the good news of Jesus. It truly is good news. I said our world it desperately needs good, good news. Right? I was watching the news. I, I think I might have mentioned this before. But I was watching the news. It was probably back in, I don't know, July, August. And I've, I've, I've never, and I try and keep up with the news because I think it's just, some people maybe it's easy just not to watch it because I can, can create fear and anxiety in some people. But I didn't try and keep up with the news just to be aware of what's going on and to keep up with the news daily. And I watch it, I've never known any news like it. It's like half an hour of just, it was just total onslaught. You know, of COVID, of the situation in, in, in Ukraine, all the pol- political mess in America and here, and just every- and been a lot of that again this week, isn't it? Politics is all is in a total mess again on both sides of the Atlantic. And but it was just 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 thing after you know, it's just bombardment after bombardment after bombardment after bombardment. If you didn't know Jesus, I thought, man, you just you've got how do you find hope in this stuff? I just need to switch this off because there was nothing. There was certainly no good news in it. But Jesus truly is good news. Amen. You know, and that was prophesied about Jesus right at his birth. Luke 2, verse 8 to 14, we'd know this well, of course, from, from the great Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out, the, out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, unsurprisingly. <laughs> but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has to be born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, earth peace on whom his favour rests. So right at the very birth of Jesus, 
Angels were declaring about that. This, this is the great news. This is the good news. And remember, the Jews, Jews at the time, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. This was the angels declaring, this is the coming Messiah. This is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. Here he is. He, he, he's been born. He, he's come to earth. He's Emmanuel, God with us. That is great news. Amen. And it still is good news to our world. Amen. That Jesus came. So how did Jesus bring good news to the poor? So let's kind of break those things down. Time's going to quit this morning. How did Jesus bring good news to the poor? Someone open this for me because I can't. I can never do it one-handed. <laughs> it's tricky. So remember this, when it says about the poor, it's talking about two different types of poor. Now someone could be both of these things. Thank you. Someone could be both of these things, but it's talking about those who are materially poor and those who are spiritually poor. You know, the, the, the world that Jesus spoke into, and I don't think our world is, in one sense has actually changed that much. There was a huge division between the rich and the poor the world that Jesus spoke into. And although the poor today probably aren't as, certainly in the West, is it true anyway, the poor today wouldn't be as poor as people then. There's still a huge division, isn't there? A monumental gap between the rich and the poor. It's absolutely, it's absolutely, um, it's absolutely huge. And that's kind of you know, true, uh, true across the world. I think it's sort of like 20% of people own 80% of the world's wealth. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But the, 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 the culture that Jesus was speaking into, you know, if you were materially poor, then you basically, you basically were nothing. You were basically like the, you were like the lowest of the low. If you were poor, if you were begging, a lot of women, women would go into prostitution in order to try and get out of poverty. I mean, what, what kind of choice is that to make in life? But, but they probably, I guess, felt they had no choice but to do that. So you were kind of like the lowest, you were kind of the lowest of the low. And I looked down, and of course, there was no welfare state and all the kind of things that we, and free healthcare and things that we enjoy these days. You just basically had to just somehow try and survive. But Jesus, Jesus was a master, wasn't he, of reaching out to the marginalized and those who were looked down by the rest of society. You know, Jesus, those, those who were poor and everyone else looked down on uh, Jesus, Jesus made it clear to them that they were loved, that they were accepted, you know, that, they, that they had worth. Amen? That they were chosen by God. Amen. Though the world, you know, the world chooses in a very different way to the world God, to the way God chooses. You know, as the scripture says, God looks at the heart. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? That God looks at your heart. He didn't. He didn't look at your your background or, or your wealth or anything else. He just looked at your heart. Amen. He chooses in a very different way, and and, and God's view of acceptance is very very different to the way the world does um, acceptance. You know, our world, particularly our Western world, is just obsessed, isn't it, with money and possessions. And that's many people's goal, goals in life. Oh, we have so many issues with the corruption and all that kind of other stuff that happens. And power corrupts and money corrupts. And we know that love of money is the root of all evil, as, as Scripture says. Not, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, but Jesus was great for reaching out to the marginalized. You know, he was very much criticized, wasn't he? For hanging around with, with, with tax collectors and prostitutes. And that was kind of like the two extremes of society. And one says the tax collectors were incredibly wealthy. Very, very wealthy. Now, they became wealthy by ripping people off. The Roman taxes were very unfair anyway. And it was one of the reasons the Jews really couldn't stand being under the Romans. Um, so a lot of the systems were unfair. The taxes were unfair anyway. And on top of that, 
then the tax collectors would also then rip people off. They basically take a cut on top. You remember about Zacchaeus? When Zacchaeus gets saved, he was a tax collector. He promised to pay back four times what he'd stolen from people. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit did, did in his heart. Amen. So that was the reality of what was going on. So Jesus was hanging around, with, and it was criticized by the religious leaders for hanging around with tax collectors because they were hated by the Jews for serving the Romans and ripping their own people off, and, and prostitutes because they, they were hated because they were a lowest of a low and they kind of like don't value themselves and they've given themselves away for money but they probably felt they had no choice because it was the only way out of poverty so, so Jesus was like reaching out to both extremes but he was great in reaching the marginalized in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 10 says you are a chosen people this, this was God's attitude this was Jesus' attitude towards the marginalized reaching out to those who are materially poor the good news for them you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This was Jesus' attitude towards, towards the marginalized. Amen. As Jesus said over and over again, it's not, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's, it's the sick. Right? So Jesus was a master at that reaching out to those who, who are materially poor and are marginalized in society. And we'll talk a little bit more on that in a minute. And, and spiritually poor. Jesus said things about that as well. People, it's people who, who, you know, materially, they might have had something, or, or they may have been materially poor as well, but they're spiritually poor. And they, because they were spiritually poor, they, they knew that they needed something more. They knew they needed God. They knew they needed the touch of God in, in their life. You know, Jesus talks about this in what we call the Beatitudes, recorded in Matthew 5. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen? So blessed are also the spiritually, so blessed are the spiritually poor, spiritually poor people. And, and we've all been in this place, I don't know whether you're materially poor or not, but whether you're spiritually poor, we understood our total need for Jesus. That's how we got saved, right? But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the great news is, and when, and as Jesus was preaching good news to the poor, what, 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 what the great news was, the good news was, is that Jesus could replace their spiritual poorness with his spiritual richness. Everything they were looking for in a Savior, everything they were looking for in a Messiah, could be found in Jesus. In everything they were worried about, everything they were panic about, panicking about in life, all their fears for the future, and everything that was happening in their world at that time. And remember, they were very oppressed people at that time. They understood that they need, we need a Messiah. We need someone to change the situation. We need someone to change us. So that was the great news for them, and it's still good news now. Amen? For those who are spiritually poor, and, we should, and this is where our world is. It's spiritually poor. Now, they may not know their need for Jesus, but the reality is they are spiritually poor. And even the, even the wealthiest people in our world, they are spiritually poor. And I say, no, God, right? That's, that's reality. They may not be materially poor in what the world sees poorness or poverty. But they have total spiritual poverty. But the great news is that God can replace that spiritual poorness with his spiritual richness. Now, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says this. Paul, wrote, Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. So there's a description of a divine exchange of the cross. Jesus intended through the cross to become spiritually poor, for everything to be stripped, stripped of him, for him to take all the sin upon his world. So through that spiritual poverty you might become spiritually rich. Amen? That, that is great news. Amen. Should get a few more amens to that. Amen. That's a divine exchange of the cross of what Jesus has done for us. Amen. 
what he did then and what he still, what he still does now. So, so Jesus' ministry, or part of his ministry, is to bring good news to the poor, those who are materially poor and those who are spiritually poor. And that was his ministry then, it's still his ministry now. And, and you know, we continue his ministry, amen? That's God's intention for us. So how do, how do we as a church bring good news to the poor? How do we do that? So just write down, I just wrote down a few thoughts about that. You know, we carry the good news of Jesus. As, as believers, we, we carry the good news with us. Amen? And in, in terms of the materially poor, and there are people in this area who are materially poor, you know, and sometimes people talk about this in the social, social gospel, and I think that's, that's good. And the Bible says that we should care about, about that. You know, Jesus said, you know, remember the, his, whole, his whole discourse about the sheep and the goats, and he talks about you know, when people went to visit people, and he, he said, you came to visit me in prison, and you clothed me, and you gave me food, and, and the people's response well, I don't remember doing any of those things. He said, no, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. When you went and visited prison, someone in prison, when you fed somebody, when you clothed somebody. So Jesus believes in this stuff, amen? So we do that in terms of outreach and in terms of uh, community programs. There's loads of great community stuff that goes on uh, in this area. Waterside Food Bank is, is amazing. Of course, Colin and Jan, as I'm sure many of you know, were heavily involved in getting it off the ground and, and done an amazing job over the years and, and still are involved as volunteers. Um, is, is a great organization. You know, almost every single food bank in, in Britain is run by churches. I don't know if you knew that or not. And this, again, this is not something that makes the news. They kind of ignore, they kind of, <laughs> I don't know, just ignore this stuff. This is reality. Um, the, the churches saved the government so much money in lots of different ways. Um, and the government did a survey. It was sent to ministers, so I filled it in. The government did a survey about, about two years ago, I think it was, about what, what, your, what your church is doing out in the community. Because they're trying to be fair to the government. I think what they were trying to do is, is to find out what churches are doing. And I think they came to the conclusion, actually, this is saving us a lot of money. Seriously, saving us a lot of money here. Because it's all been doing, done by volunteers, through donations. And so Waterside Food Bank is a great thing. The crossings is something we're involved in as well, which is the Waterside Homeless Project. I'm involved in that myself. I'm in the management committee uh, for that. It's a great organization about helping people who are homeless or sofa surfing or, or looking for housing. As you're probably well aware, there's a massive shortage of housing in this area for those who are in that, find themselves in that, in that position. So we just want to, want to help people in that and, and reach them with the love of God. So this is the way we can bring good news to the poor. Amen. And like I said, almost every food bank across the country, almost every, almost every debt advice, and, oh, and loads of homeless projects are all run by churches. That's the reality. Amen? And so churches are doing a great job, but this is how we bring good news to the poor. That there is good news. This is what, is what motivates us, because we want people, we do want to help people, of course, absolutely we should, but ultimately we want them to meet Jesus. Amen? That should be behind every community program. That should be ultimately the aim Okay, we're not doing things with deceptive means. No, we're not deceiving anybody because we'll help people whether they accept Jesus or not. Of course we would. But the ultimate aim is we want people to meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. This, is, is good. this is the good news to the poor, the good news to the materially poor. Amen? So let's get behind those programs. We do support them as a church. There's the things you want to get in volunteering. You, you can speak to me about the crossing. Speak to Colin and Jan about Waterside Food Bank and those other stuff. Waterside Food Larders. Again, it's all run by Christians. There's New Forest Basic Bank. Uh, what's it called? Food Bank. No, what's it called? I uh, can't remember what it's called now, Basics Bank, that's the one, which is based in Limington. Again, it's all run, it's all run by Christians, again. So there's, there's loads of great stuff that, that goes on, and it's all motivated by reaching people with the love of God, and that's, that's amazing. This is how we can bring good news to the materially poor. Amen? And, so, and it's also calling us, us to bring good news to the spiritually poor. You know, in, in this area across our, across our nation, it's a spiritually poor country, isn't it? And with our, with our history, it's amazing that we've got, as a country, we've got ourselves at this point, isn't it? 
with all the history that we've had, all the missionaries in the thousands that have been sent from this country um, across the world, and you know, and all the, the way the church has been so important in our in our in our history, in, in lots of different ways. It's amazing we kind of got ourselves to this point where we find ourselves as a very spiritually poor country, and now people are sending missionaries to us, um, and, Af- and missionaries are coming from Africa here, missionaries from America, and other countries are being sent sent here because Britain and and is true in a lot of Europe as well. It's becoming spiritually poor. So again, we carry the good news to a spiritually poor, needy world wherever we go. Wherever you find yourself, in your neighbourhoods, in your communities, in your workplaces, in, in your friends and family, we, we carry that good news. Yeah. Amen? So let's always keep that, keep that in mind and remember that, that. That's a calling on us. We're anointed to do that. We're anointed to reach our community, the materially poor. We're anointed to do that. These community programs I mentioned, they're, they're anointed by God to reach people. And we, and we are anointed to reach a spiritually needy world. Amen? Wherever you find yourself tomorrow and throughout, throughout this week, you are anointed to carry the good news to people. In this spiritually needy world, I think that, you know, the, in, in the Bible, Jesus talked about the fields being ripe for harvest. That's never been more true, I think, than it is now. And in, in the 2,000 years since Jesus said it, the fields are ripe to harvest. There's so much fear, so much anxiety, as I said earlier. So many people are kind of questioning what is life all about. So much has been shifting, and still is shifting, isn't it? I said about politics and other stuff. There's just so much stuff that's just shifting around. And, and just, just so many things that are just unexpected that happen. Um, but we have good news. I mean, it's a spiritually needy world. Jesus was the answer 2,000 years ago, and he's still the answer now. He's still the answer to their needs. They still need Jesus. And Jesus can still, can still save them and heal them and restore them and, and forgive them. can set them free and set them free from confusion. can, can renew, them, you know, renew their minds and set them free, give them a hope and a future and a promise of eternal life. That's still the same Jesus that we serve. And we're anointed to carry that good news to people. Amen? So my, so my heart and my prayer for you and, and for me is that you know, we, we carry the good news wherever we go. And whatever you, you, you bump into this week, just remember that you're a carrier of the good news. Pray, pray for opportunities to speak into people's lives. And like I said, so many opportunities are just, are just coming up over and over again. But pray for opportunities. God will give you the words to say. Because remember, you're anointed. You're not doing it in your own strength. If we were doing it in our own strength, we're like, well, I, God, I don't even know where to start. No, you're not doing it in your own strength. You're anointed by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus was. You know, Jesus said we do even greater things than him. Amen? That's what he said about ourselves. Do we believe that? Amen? So Jesus was anointed to bring good news to the poor. And just like Jesus, we're, we're anointed to do that. Whether it's the materially poor, and whether it's, whether it's the spiritually poor, Jesus is still the answer. There's still hope for people. It's still, still good news for people. Good news for materially poor is they're loved and accepted. Jesus doesn't choose in the same way that the world chooses. He doesn't care about your bank balance. He just wants your heart. And it's all good news to the spiritually needy world. Amen. They can bring hope, a future. Amen. Whatever they have materially, they, they need Jesus. Even they have everything the world would say materially. You know, as Jesus said, what, 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 what benefits do you gain the entire world but yet you lose your soul? For, for what? What have you gained it for? Jesus told that parable, didn't he, about the, the rich man that stores up stuff for himself and stores up stuff for himself in barns, and then and, and the next day, and the next day he dies. And Jesus was like, well, what, why? What's the purpose of that? What he did, what he did is stored up for himself. Never, he never even gave it away. How sad. But we have great news for a spiritually needy world. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you, Jesus, you are so, so good. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you were anointed. Lord, and for all that you did, Lord, in your, Lord, your incredible three years of ministry. Every person you reached, everyone you saved, everyone that, Lord, you, you, you made them uh, feel valuable. Lord, you accepted them. Lord, you loved on them. Lord, you saved and healed and restored and, and set free and set them free from a demonic and set free the oppressed. Lord, and all that you did. Lord, and that same anointing that was on you, Lord, is also on us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, we'll get, that truth will get deep into our spirits. Yeah. That, that same anointing is upon us. Lord, you said we would do greater things than even than you did, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, in this, Lord, you use us as individuals and as a church, Lord, for those, in, those who are materially poor in our area. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will bring the good news to them. Lord, that you don't love in the same way the world loves. You don't accept in the same way the world accepts. Your values are different. Lord, it doesn't matter what people's backgrounds are, what their ethnicity is, where, where they come from. Lord, Lord, you want to save them. Lord, you want to change them. You want to be there for them, Lord God. You want them to know the promise of eternal life. May we carry, carry that message. Thank you for the great programs that happen in this area. And as ones we've mentioned, like the Crossings and Food Bank and Waterside Food Larders and, and, and other New Forest uh, Basics Bank and those great ministries established by Christians and still run by Christians. Lord, we thank you for them. And I pray your blessing upon them. And I pray they will truly carry the good news, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that people's lives will be changed materially, Lord, and they have all that, they, all that they need materially, Lord God, but, Lord, even more importantly, their lives will be changed spiritually, Lord God, and they will come to know you. I pray, Lord, just your, your love will go out with, every, with every, every food hamper, every bit of advice, everyone that's assisted in any way. Lord, that they will see you in it all. It will truly be good news for them. Lord, and for air, Lord, which is just full of, Lord, just those who are spiritually poor. Lord, I pray we will be carriers of the good news. Lord, there will be people who, who preach the gospel with the way that we live our lives. Lord, that people will see you in us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, this very week, Lord, you'll give us opportunities, Lord, to speak into people's lives. Lord, those that we work with, Lord, those, Lord the, our, our neighbours, our friends, our, our families, those in our, just in our worlds. Give us opportunities to speak truth into their life. This world is just so confused about truth, Lord God, that we will have opportunities to speak your truth. And you are the way and the truth and the life. And I pray we have opportunities to speak that into people people's lives lord this week lord that we will bring hope lord god we will bring the good news to the spiritually poor lord and just like we have lord and we will be blessed with lord you've replaced our spiritual poorness with your spiritual richness lord for our sake you became poor so that through your poverty on the cross that we became rich we became spiritually rich we've been given every blessing in christ lord and that's our heart lord, for every single person in this area to know that same richness lord for you to take lord you, you died for them for every single person or to know, Lord, that you can take their spiritual poverty and make them spiritually rich and they can know the promise of eternal life in you. Thank you, Jesus. And so use us for your glory. Lord, may we go completely in your anointing, not do anything on our own strength. we do it in the strength that you give us. Give us the words to say. Give us the words to pray. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. Amen. 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 Amen.